You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, happy Friday to you. It's a weekend, finally the weekend, and happy Canada Day weekend to my fellow Canadians up here. Uh, it's a long weekend. Uh, it's it's great. It's fantastic. It's hotter than Hades in here, but uh, we're looking forward to having a great discussion with guitarist Bill Lanero. Bill, how are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Awesome, Very man. To be here, actually. Oh, fantastic. Really happy to have you. This is something we've wanted to do for quite some time. And uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion this evening, and we're going to get into some great Wolfgang discussion as you get to kind of see some little teasers poking out from behind you there. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. I got a couple nice treats of a story that uh, Bill's going to share with you later on in the program on one of the particular Wolfgangs. Uh, But before we jump right into the program, let's say hi to a few of the people that are over in the chat. So thank you, everyone, for jumping in and joining us on this uh, Friday evening. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Relic is here. Uh, my beautiful nocturnal butterfly is here running the chat very efficiently. As always, Gary Davlin is here saying uh, good evening from Oregon. Sean Cook is here saying sup. And Carlos Santan, speaking of my Canadian counterpart, happy Friday, my friends. Everyone staying cool. Uh, somewhat. And um, nocturnal butterfly says it's hotter than a $2 pistol. So says she when she's up in the air conditioning right now and I'm in the, um, <laughs> I'm in the oven right now. So uh, we'll jump over to the chat many times throughout the evening. But Bill, for some of the people that are just tuning in for the uh, first time, uh, or maybe that uh, don't know you, as some, some of our regulars will for sure, um, share with us maybe just a little bit of a background biography on yourself a little bit and uh, kind of uh, let people get to know you a little bit more. Um, guitar player, as long as I can remember, um, basically uh, started when I first heard uh, Angus Young, actually. That was my... That was my hero, my god on guitar. And then Eddie, of course, like every other kid who picked up the guitar. Um, you know, and then I graduated Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and guys like that. Um, you know, and then, and then basically kept playing my whole life and, and you know, started this band uh, 2000. Well, I put on my first album, uh, solo album in 2004. And then we didn't put out a band album until 2008. And then, so it's been a... a, a band thing ever since um you know it's always been about the band um you know everybody uh contributing as much as possible you know as much as they want to basically i like that oh, fantastic so obviously eddie fits into the wheelhouse which we'll get into oh. later on throughout the evening as well too that's nice because i knew there would be some obviously playing the wolfgangs but there are a lot of players that do play wolfgangs that don't really sit there and listen to van halen um yeah. you know they just they happen to like the guitar so that sure. that's cool awesome. yeah absolutely i mean i i don't know how you can play guitar and I mean, especially if you play rock or you play, you know, any type of metal guitar, you're influenced by Eddie at some point. That's right. I mean, your influences were influenced by Eddie, and Eddie was influenced by other people, you know. So you can't live in a bubble and say, well, I'm, I'm, I only listen to this thing and, and I'm not influenced by it. You're influenced by their influences. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's, that's totally true. Before we get into more of the uh, the music discussion, obviously we're going to be talking to guitars all night long, talking about Van Halen, talking about your band, talking about all kinds of great stuff. You also share a similar passion to to myself as well, too, into photography, and yeah. you, you run your own business, uh, Blink Creative. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What inspired you yeah. to get into that? Well, so this studio here, I opened, uh, well, we moved into it in 2008, and, uh, you know, another friend of mine is a really, really good photographer, and... Uh, 
So we had this idea to split this studio in half and, and, and make the front part of behind the camera there um, the photography area. And then this part here was going to end upstairs and everything else is going to be the music area. But we quickly outgrew this and it became the full music studio. And then um, we waited seven years for the studio behind me, the warehouse behind me to open up and become available. And then me and uh, another guy, Andy, uh, Andy Waters, he basically said, hey, do you, you know, do you, do you need a partner in this? And I said, that would be great. And he's a you know, really, really super great guy. And, uh, you know, so we started Blink Creative Agency. And then the photographer, uh, Paul, he came on as the manager. And, you know, he's just got a great eye. And so the studio's been busy a lot. And uh, it's been really, really good. It's all word of mouth pretty much. Nice. Um, now, what type of work is, uh, do you find yourself uh, specializing in or at least well, doing the most? Well, for me, I just like to do landscape photography for myself. Okay. Um, but we rent that studio out to other photographers to come on in oh, and, I see. and use the studio. Um, now, I did get hired by um, uh, John Petrucci's guitar camp, and I went out there and I shot that camp last year with you know John and Mangini and you know Tony McAlpine, uh, who I've you know really good history with, and and you know these other guys that were there, and, and it was really fun. I was out there for a week and. You know, I was the photographer for the camp, and it was, but it kind of killed me because I was like, "Man, I want to play guitar while I'm here." I can but imagine. I, I, you know, I just had the, the camera, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, we had a blast. That's at the mansion, right? Over out in New York. Yes. Right? Yes. What's it called out again? In Glen Cove Mansion. Yes. Yep. Okay, that's it. Yeah, it was, and it was beautiful. Rusty Cooley was there too, right? Yeah, Rusty Cooley, Tosin Abasi, uh, Jason Richardson. Um, Andy, uh, I always forget, I always want to say Andy Weeks, but it's not Andy Weeks. I always forget his last name. Acoustic guitar player is phenomenal. Um, Dave LaRue was there. Um, it was just a, a lot of great players. A lot that, of great players. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know Rusty yeah. was on the show, and I think he he had either just come back or was just going. And obviously, there's uh, this is another one going. When is it? Like, it's coming up in the fall? Is that when it is again? August. August. Yeah, okay, so, August. yeah. Or be there in August, yeah. Right. Man, you'd be surrounded by talent there for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to this one. I, I wasn't invited back, and so I know why. But you know, that's a that's a whole other thing. But, uh, <laughs> but I had a good time when I was there, so that's fine hey, with me. You only live once, right? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, you always do these things. You know, you can ask for forgiveness later, but just get in and do your thing and have fun. Well, I, you know, like my guitar say, no regrets, no excuses. So, yes. You know, it's. That's it. I, I agree with that 100. percent That's the kind of a, I've changed my life set a thousand percent in the past couple of years. Uh, you know, we had some sickness in the family here, and it makes you appreciate life and just live it like on maximum speed. You know what I mean? You, don't worry about yeah. tomorrow. Just live for today, kind of thing. And tomorrow, yeah. yeah. And, and take every opportunity that comes your way. You know. That's right. I mean, a lot of people want to. You know, oh, I can't do that because I got to do this, and I got work, or I've got the family. Mm -hmm. and the opportunities passed them by, and next thing you know, they're they're regretting a lot of what they didn't do. That's right. Most I think most people regret what they, more of what they didn't do than what they actually did do. I know. You know, you get a buddy that might call you and say, "Hey, I, I um, I can you come and jam with me this weekend?" And my other guitar player just can't make it. Whatever, I just come and jam. And you might say, uh, "It doesn't sound like me for me." Whatever. And then you find out, you know, celebrity X shows up and gets up on stage and jams with the band. You never know what you're going to miss by sure. saying no sometimes. That's right. Absolutely. I know it's absolutely. not always possible to say yes. I mean, you know, yeah. that that's a whole nother can of worms. So you could be one of those guys or girls that will say yes to everything and overcommit yourself. And then, yeah. then that's just another another dance you don't want to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Then you end up like Jim Carrey and, you know, yes, man. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, that's which a, worked out for him, by the way. But I think that was mainly because the script said it was going to. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, our our scripts haven't been written in life. I mean, we we get to kind of right. wake up next day with a blank uh, canvas and hopefully yeah. have some fun. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Well, you definitely have a. I, I don't want you want to use the word creative because that's a pun on playing words with blank creative, but you definitely have yeah. a creative uh, environment there. And plus, with your studio next door, it's, uh, yeah. it's it is really nice where you can actually get in somewhere and not have to set up stuff all the time. Because now, when inspiration hits you, you just hop in here and jam and not have to worry about yeah. getting the gear set up. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, we've been here, like I said, eight years now, um, and you know, we've got a control room and we've got a loft upstairs and a front room here and the main rehearsal room and. You know, we're right next to the San Jose Airport, so nobody can complain that uh, we're making too much noise because we have big jets flying by all the time. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah. I was watching some of your YouTube videos on your channel, and by the way, Nocturnal Butterfly posted your link in the chat, plus I have it down below okay. too so people can subscribe to your channel. But I, awesome. didn't, I didn't notice a staircase that's to your left, to our yes. camera right. So I see the yep. amplifiers there, but when you're playing on the floor, you don't see that staircase. So I just saw this tower of amplifiers. It, <laughs> uh, it looks so cool from the floor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, so my, so my, my guitar player James, his, he's coming through the Marshalls over there. Mm -hmm. So his rig is set up, but stage right, and I'm coming. So I don't like my sound coming directly at me. I've just never been a fan of that. So I don't like using monitors on stage. You know, sure. I, I, I don't like the black lights. So I actually have my, um, my sound coming through the Stone Age, which is over there in the tucked away in the corner. You know, mm -hmm. and then when I'm over here, you know, the, the stairs kind of block the high end. And uh, and I never wear earplugs when I'm rehearsing, and we usually rehearse pretty loud, so it kind of kind of helps to tamper that a little bit. Perfect. I, I recognize that that looks like a triple X on the top, correct? Uh, yeah, triple X up there. Mason X. Um, yeah, triple X and Mesa, and behind the Lanero sign is a is a wizard. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. The wizard. Yeah, the wizard was actually um, uh, uh, built and wired by um, Angus Young's tech to Angus's specs. Okay. Um, so um, that was given to me by a friend of mine, and uh, and it just it's probably the best sounding app that I have in here. Um, it's it's in, if you want an ace true ACDC rock sound, you can't beat that. And then below it is a is a blanket ship shell, but it's actually a Friedman amp inside the shell. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and then just an angle cab, and then I'm I'm running a, a diesel Hagen head um, as a power amp, but I'm I'm the Axefx Ultra is what I'm using as the as the processor. Okay. Now, are those are those on the angle? Is that two twelves or two tens? I'm looking at there. Two twelves. Two, okay, it just looks a little smaller yeah. from the distance, obviously. Yes, yeah, two twelves back there, um, and then upstairs I have a, a, a four ten Marshall, no four ten Doctor Z, a two ten Marshall, and a couple of uh, two twelve Mills and a Galleon Kruger and something else. Okay, so nice, nice rigs. Yeah, it's you know, and it, they're pretty much set up to where I can just you know plug in. Um, you know, to go from head to head or something like that. But, but you know, using the axe effect, I don't generally have to. True, you know, true. It, it, it's got everything I need right now. We'll get into uh, discussing your one of your uh, famous buddies here in a little bit. But did you ever yeah. did you ever uh, play through the JSX? I haven't. No, you I haven't. have not. Never played. But I did play through his Marshall, his signature Marshall. Okay. Yeah, and that he loaned me that for a month, and it was incredible. I mean, it was just that sound, you know. It was just Joe's sound, I, and it was fantastic. I had the JSX for a while, and I, if I was to do this again, I'd buy. I had the two twelve uh, hundred watt combo, and I would I would much rather go back and buy the head because what was happening was I was re going through tubes like crazy in that thing, oh. and I took it to um, 
well, I didn't actually take it to my, my friend at the Guitar Tech, but I talked to him about it. I said, why am I going through tubes like this? He says, if I can give you one piece of advice, if you're going to be running amp- amplifiers this loud and using them as loud as you do on stage, go with the head version. Because, you know, if you think about it, you got a, a cabinet like that, that, you know, the tubes are two inches away from the speakers. Speaker. You're, yeah, you're it's just, rattling. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it was a beautiful amp. I mean, three-channel, obviously, like the triple X. And yeah. it, it just it was just slightly... Um, um, well, it's very much like his Marshall. You know, it was yeah. very, very nice tone. I really and it has like... a compressor built into each channel, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And noise yeah, gate, which really was nice, cool. built a noise gate so you didn't have to use a pedal. And it was a very yeah. nice noise gate, too, or it wasn't just like, you know, like an in increments. It was like from zero to 10, you could really hone it into where you Dial wanted to. In. Well, you know, he's meticulous about every aspect of his gear. And it's, it's you know, down to the guitar pick, down, you know, the amp, the head, the strings, everything, you know, it shows, you know. I know, I know. I'm not that particular. But, you know, I know as long as you can plug in and, and have a, that comfort zone sound that you're kind of used yeah. to from the day before, then you're yeah. off to a good start, I think. Exactly. That's why, you know, I like the aspects because when I plug it in, it sounds exactly like it did the day before, the week before, the month before. Yep. And yeah. the only thing that changes from day to day is your attitude. If you're in a really good mood one day or maybe not as much the next day, but at least you know there's going to be consistency. And that's, that's one of the things I do like about modeling, whether it's XFX. And in my case, I use Helix and some, and, you know, there's, every, you know, Kempers and everybody else are using their different flavors. But, um, you know, you could potentially grab a couple of your Wolfgangs and some, and some gig bags, fly somewhere and have, you know, a backline rented of, a, of uh, Axe yeah. FX or whatever and um, plug in and put in your patches and you're, you know you're good to go. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, Tony McAlpine has the Hughes and Kettner switchblade, I think it is, and, and he just has a USB stick. And he just wow. takes it, the USB stick with him and wherever he goes, he has the sounds on there. Isn't that something? I didn't know much about yeah. that feature. That's cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. Fantastic. So it's a USB jack right on the head. Yeah, right built into it. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. They, they did a good job with that one. I like that. Let's jump back to the chat for a quick second. Um, uh, Sean Cook is oh. here. Uh, FNF Gamers is here saying, hey, Eric, happy to be here. Nice to have you. Uh, Nocturnal Butterfly posted your YouTube link, as I mentioned. Thomas Santiago is here saying hello, Eric and Bill and everyone in the chat. Um, Carlos Santos says photography and guitar and Carlos is a photographer as well too he oh, says awesome. Bill is my kind of guy really expensive hobby <laughs> so and that's true isn't it thank you yeah yeah. let's digress a little bit to photography just for a second we won't, we won't bore the people that aren't photographers with photography sure. gear but d- talk about some of the things that you found to be the most expensive when it comes to your photography well first of all hobby to start and then profession eventually where, where, where did you spend the most money Driving around, <laughs> looking for something cool to shoot, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, really, because it's like, you know, I mean, when you live someplace, right, you end up shooting the same thing over and over and over and over again. You know, uh, James, my other guitar player, is a fantastic photographer, takes some really, really just gorgeous photos. I mean, really, really gorgeous photos. And, and he, so, I don't know how he does it, but he somehow tends to make the same place that he shot before look different. Nice. The second time around, you know, and and, you know, that I think that's really cool. I mean, I, you know, I, I live close enough to San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge and, you know, the ocean and things like that to take photos. But after a while, I get bored with that. And, mm-hmm. You know, so so for me, I mean, it's you know, it's when I go, if I go like I'd, I'd rather go with some friends and, you know, go Paul or James and, and go do some photography and, and do that and drive up to Lake Tahoe and spend the day and, and things like that. And just kind of get away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, it's it's. I love I love the art of photography. I love the what you can do with it after the fact. You know, I've always been, you know, I've always loved rock photography, you know, when I was a kid, 
Um, Niels Lozauer was my hero, even yeah. though I didn't even own a camera. I always picked out his photos from the magazine and threw them up on the wall, you know. So um, there's, a, there's an art to it for sure. And, and, you know, there's some people that just make it look stunning, you know. And there's some people who have the credibility, but they don't actually make it look that great. There's nothing that special about them, but they got the name power. Yeah. So, you know, it, I think, but, you know, it's just like music, right? It's, it's in the eye of the beholder. You know, so some people can take a picture of this floor here and, and other people will love it and say that's art, you mm -hmm. know, but somebody else will say it's just a floor. That's right. You know? So it just depends. You know, it just depends. But for me, I like to just go out with friends and just go do some photography and, you know, kind of have some fun with it. I like that. Uh oh. We lost. There we go. There we go. Good. Lost connection there for a second. I like how you mentioned your buddy. How he can take the same picture, the same location, and look different every time. Yeah. There, whereas there's some people in the world they could go to every corner of the globe and take pictures, but they all look the same no matter where you That's are. That's right. Yeah. So exactly. there's there's absolutely uh, catch twenty two, right? I would. Yeah. I, for sure. What, sure. I, what I started to do, and I started to, like I uh, I build websites for a living, uh, along with photography and video as well too. And I subscribe to a lot of you know stock photography websites. If I need like a static shot of like a medical profession or something, you know, sure. I'll buy these photos to use for whatever. But I started thinking, you know what? Like when I'm not shooting for clients, a lot of times if I'm going to see a client somewhere or whatever, I got, I'll bring one of the camera rigs with me, and I've started to just crap, capture stock photo. If I need there some you construction, you know, construction scene. Oh, there's guys are working on the road. Snap, snap. Yeah. I own that photo now. And I don't have to pay uh, yeah. somebody to use it. So I started yeah. collecting my own or kind of making my own stock photo archive, which has been a blessing, too. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a good way to do it. You know, especially if you're going to be doing a lot of that stuff, you know, yep. you can save yourself a lot of money. Why not, right? Yeah. It's with you anyways. Absolutely. And I've been trying to do, you know, videos on the road as well, too. You're trying to multitask. So if you're going to see yeah. somebody, just pop the, the GoPro on. You can film a video while you're on route. And uh, there's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, let me see who did I miss over in the chat uh, left off at Sean Cook uh, Carlos Santa talking about photography Quentin James is here uh, he says hey y'all um, hey, yeah he's a big guitar fan he's going to have some fun with the discussion tonight for sure and uh, Relic is, I think this might be Relic's first uh, time over here to my show saying this is great Blimpus is here saying woohoo and uh, let me see who else have I missed I can scroll down to the bottom uh, I'm always late in the chat Scott Roos is here saying hey Eric Nocturnal Butterfly and Bill and Terry's EGNG is here saying, maybe tomorrow I'm going to settle down until tomorrow. I'll just keep moving on. There you go. Um, and Blimpus says, Bill, the art piece behind you is sick. Can you share a little bit of a uh, story on that? Oh, uh, yeah. That one up there? Yeah. Yeah, you guys can actually see that. Yeah. Cool. So that was, our, that was our stage banner for a while. And uh, God, had that, I think we've had that since 2008. And uh, it, was, it basically was supposed to represent the four people in the band. Um, I'm not going to say that that's me behind it because, it, you know, my drummer did, my old drummer did this. So, you know, I say I'm the guy in the front maybe and he's the guy in the back. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it came out really cool. And it, it looks, it's much bigger when it's on, when it's down here and you're trying to set it up on stage. It's, it's like eight feet tall by I think 12 feet wide or something like that. But it had to be made in three panels, printed out in three panels. Oh, wow. It was so big. Yeah, yeah. So, but so we retired it after a while because it just became too much to to bring out, you know, um, to every show all the time. And possibly get it destroyed too. It's so cool that yeah. I almost don't want to destroy it. Yeah, absolutely. So it does it does very well sitting up there on the wall. 
Yeah, that's cool. It's safe. I remember I was always yeah. the guy too that we had a when before my band retired, we had a massive vinyl banner as well too, and you had to roll them a certain way so the vinyl would never peel off. Yeah, and you know at the end right. of the night, these guys, you know, they'd want to be getting out of there and getting home as fast as they possibly could, and they just take the banner, they'd almost fold it. I'm like, oh, you know, don't touch it, leave it to me, and I'm like the guy wrapping the cables, rolling the banners. I'm the last one getting home, but it was worth it. Your stuff well, you know, this is digitally printed, so it, the, the, it's not silkscreen, so oh, it actually won't peel off. That's good. Which is nice. Yeah, which is really nice. That's good. Fantastic. Um, uh, Nocturnal Butterfly has a link as well to your quarter-inch scale replica of your guitar, which we'll talk ah. about later on, too. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, she just texted me about that as well, too, so we will talk about that here shortly. Um, Sean Cook is asking a question. Have you tried the Vi Legacy or any uh, model? No, I haven't actually. Um, I've seen it. I've never actually tried it, but um, I heard it's pretty good. But, you know, I've never actually played through the, the legacy at all. Yeah, no, I haven't either. I haven't either. No no, no opportunity here in my neck of the woods. But, uh, Sean, if you try it out, let us know how it is. Yeah, please do. Please do. Let us let us know. Send us a message. Uh, Mississippi cool. Treasure Hunters here saying cheers all. Jeff Humphreys from Jay's Talkers and Guitars here. Hey, everyone. Hope all is well. Um, and John Mulvey, our fellow, our friend here, oh, John Mulvey's here. He God says awesome. uh, he, he came by here today and then brought me a guitar, and, and it's fantastic. Did I mean, he bring the performer by again? Uh, yeah, the, they brought one of the white ones by. Okay, and, uh, it's it's beautiful. It plays great. Three um, G guitars. Yeah, fantastic. Yes, absolutely. I'm so I glad mean, he Jeff, popped into the chat. Yeah, it's it's a really 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 a, a, a superb guitar. I gotta say. I, I love the concept behind that guitar. Obviously, you know he was on the show um, a couple weeks yeah. back, and that's the question I was going to ask was about the guitar because I knew he had did he brought one out a, the a couple weeks ago as well too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He brought, so when he first brought it by, he brought by a couple of them, and and you know they just they played so well. And what's crazy is you know I've been playing the Wolfgang for since '99, and uh, really haven't played much of anything else. I always use the Wolfgang, and you can tell. I'll show you later the, the close up of the fretboard. I don't clean my fretboard. <laughs> I've I seen like them. The I've way seen they them. Are. And, uh, and so, you know, it's a, it's a smaller guitar, you know, and, and then when I picked up his, it just, it felt comfortable. I didn't feel like I was, you know, stretching or, or it was a challenge to play, which was really nice. That's good to know. And the, the innovation with that neck pocket is like, I mean, that yeah. is like the secret sauce in that guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Plus it has the recessed, uh, pit guard, which mm-hmm. is really nice. You know, I mean, did a lot of really good things on that guitar. That's something I, I know he probably told me, but I forgot about that feature. And, and people might think, okay, well, recess pit guard, whatever. But yeah. that's nice because you're not, yes. your hand is flat against the guitar. That's right. It's I, the little things that count. Yeah. It's one of those you things know? where if you were to peel that off, it was just a solid body guitar. I mean, it would look, still look cool, obviously, but now you yeah. can have your pit guard sure. with almost like a flat top. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. So they they did. They put a lot of thought into this guitar. It wasn't like let's just take a slab of wood and throw a pit guard on it and some electronics and yeah. say it's new. That's right. They, 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 he spent a lot of time doing a lot of cool things that haven't been done yet. A lot of a lot of sadly a lot of guitar manufacturers out there are doing just that. They're just putting a pit guard on, popping in a humbucker, yeah. and it's a new guitar. Well, see, yeah. they, it, this has been done. These people are doing these things. That's, That's why right. it's nice to see John um, it, it, innovating because it, it is hard to innovate well, with a guitar. Yeah, it is, and, and it always takes the the smaller guys, the smaller companies to innovate. You know, the, the big giant companies they're not going to really innovate anything because they're already getting the sales. People are already going to buy them, so why why fix what's not broken? And they get criticized if they try something new. That's right. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. so it's, I guess it's a no win situation for the uh, the big uh, corporates. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, kind of like Angus Young playing neoclassical. It just wouldn't work. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, Sean said somewhere, where did I miss it? He said about the um, the legacy. I, I missed it. He actually said, where is it? He has, he has the uh, Legacy 3, he says. So he owns that one. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. There, so there you go. Uh, right. Let me see here. Terry saying hi to everybody, even the ones he doesn't know. Chad Boston is here. Uh, Chad Boston, uh, I was on a live stream with him this morning. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, he was going, he went live. It was pretty funny. And uh, he, he runs a fantastic uh, Helix group. He's got over, just celebrated a 15,000th uh, member of the group and uh, three years wow. three years in, in the business. And this morning he was going live. So I saw him live. I jumped on there. Then he invited me onto the live stream. And I really was in, wasn't even in my. Uh, uh, my my Friday best, so to speak. I was a little under yeah. the weather and uh, crazy hair and everything, so I had to <laughs> make myself up pretty quick, but I jumped the live stream. It was a lot of fun. It's nice to Very be good. on a live stream sometimes as opposed to always hosting one. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it can be Absolutely. fun. Uh, John Mulvey says, Very proud to have Bill playing it. I'm sure, John, I, I, I'm sure uh, Bill will do a phenomenal job on that guitar for you for sure. Do uh, my best. And Chad says, Thanks for joining the live stream. It was my pleasure for sure. Um, and uh, this is cool, too. John says, this is a nice compliment to you. He says, thank you, guys. And Bill is also an innovator. Uh, and I, I agree with that, for sure. You, you do some things on guitar that, you know, with, with people our age, I think I'm a little, I'm, I, I know I'm a little older than you, um, but people of close to our age together here, you know, it, it's, a lot of things have been done on guitar, too. You know, the tapping's been done. The neoclassical, sure. you know, fusion stuff has been done to death. Uh, shredding's been done to death. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to get your name out there as a guitar player without just being, you know, the shredder guy, right? Maybe we can, sure. maybe we can go down that rabbit hole a little bit. How how well, do you, you know, forge your way, sounding like yourself, yet still be able to? Because a lot of the a lot of the style of music you do does attract the guys. It's like the the guys like rock music and stuff like that, like yeah. and rock guitar. But how do you create your path and still bring the audience? Well, I mean, for us, I mean, you know, I. You know, like I said, Steve Vai, Satriani, Ingve, Paul Gilbert, all those guys, you know, Eraser X. I grew up, you know, listening to those guys. They, they, they were the heroes, right? They were the guys that, but I never wanted to play like that. Mm -hmm. You know, Ingus Young was my hero. That was my thing. I was always more attracted to the song. I wanted to hear the song, right? As Malcolm Young would always say, his rhythm is 90% of the song. That's right. why he wanted to be a rhythm player. So for me, it was always like, you know, I, I want, I, I love the idea of instrumental. I don't necessarily like the idea of wanking over, you know, instrumental music for 20 minutes or whatever. I like the idea of a band, you know, I don't like the idea of a single guy and then it's all about him and then everybody else is surrounding him and, and that kind of thing. So I wanted to, to, to write music that was vocally based, but still instrumental. So we have melodies and we have choruses and we have bridges and, solo sections you know the whole song isn't a solo you know so for me i you know i remember I, I read an interview with bon jovi once and he said if you can if you can take a song and you can strip away everything and you just have an acoustic guitar then you have a song if it's something that's still listenable right and if you can take away the melody or you could take away the vocal line and you still have a song then you or you still have something to listen to, then you still have a song and that's the way I like to look at it. It's like if you could, if you take away the melodies in our songs and the solos, you still have a rhythm that you can listen to. You know, you still have a song that you can hum a melody to. And to me, that's that's kind of the most important thing. And then, and then, you know, that's why we don't really call ourselves instrumental. We call ourselves guitar core, which is you know a term that you know 
I remember it to this day. We're, we're going to rehearsals or we rehearsal someplace else, and it was me and my guitar player William at the time. And I said, "Man, we got to come up with a new name for this because it's the instrumental. It's just it's too it's too you know generic. kind of generic, and it, it's become too um, like homogenized. And you know, instrumental means just shredding most of the time. And he, and jokingly, he said, "Well, let's call it guitar core." And I was like, dude, that's brilliant. I wish I would have came up with that, but he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was absolutely brilliant, and I loved it, and we've been using it ever since, you know? And so, um, and, and, you know, it's, I think it's fitting, you know? I think it's a fitting description of our music. I, I like that, because thinking of the concert promoter or the club owner or whatever it may be, you know, he or she has heard instrumental to death, and the instrumental will yeah. a, lot of, a lot of times scare them away. Oh man! Yeah. I, last next thing I want another another Ingve Malmsteen coming in here yeah. and driving my patrons out. You know, I'm not saying Absolutely. anything bad about Ingve Malmsteen, but you know, sure. clubs want people in there drinking booze and you know staying yeah. in there all night, and That's you know right. that term scares people away sometimes. Well, yeah, and we like to put on a show on stage. You know, I mean, you know, everybody in the band is is amazing musicians. I mean, I love them to death, and uh, you know, they're all just really good on stage and they put on a show and it just it it works you know i mean we're, we're not out there staring at our feet you know focused on the fretboard you yeah. know we're, we're, we're trying to you know engage with the audience as much me a lot of times i play with i like to keep my eyes shut mainly i don't want to see people flipping me off or something the audience <laughs> is cowering at me but, yeah staying uh, in your zone yeah. what's that staying in your zone yeah, yeah, staying in my zone and, you know, just kind of focused on the music and, and uh, you know, but it works really well. And so, you know, guitar core has been really, really cool. You know, you know there's, some, there's another thing you, you could always do as well, too. I know Joe Satriani does it all the time with sunglasses, and it's not being yeah. an e egotistical rock star. Sometimes yeah. it's the sole fact that you can actually have your eyes open and they can't see your eyes, you know. Yeah. So technically they don't know if your eyes are open, and that gives you that little shield to maybe, sure. you know, be in that zone without necessarily divulging that. Yeah, it makes you wonder how many times he's actually on stage with his eyes closed, but people are thinking he's looking at him. I know? know. I bet you it's more often than not. It probably is, actually. You know, I, I'm I, afraid I'll fall off the stage if I wear sunglasses. I, I know. That's yeah. what I'd be. I'm clumsy enough as it is. But that—that's yeah. the mentality. Remember, as us as kids, you know, sometimes we'd be asked to go to the front of the class to say to recite a poem oh, or yeah. something, Forget and it. you know, you close your eyes because you're like, okay, if I can't see them, they can't see me, right? But that's meanwhile, right. they're staring right at yeah. you with your eyes closed. It's hilarious. That's right, absolutely. But whatever gets you into the zone, and watching a couple of your videos today, I could tell, like with the other bandmates there, that you know, there's not just like there. You don't feel, and this is the first time watching some of your videos, so you, I don't feel as a uh, viewer that these guys are like, okay, let's let's stand here and play some power chords so Bill can, you know, do some crazy solos. Every, yeah. Everyone's having fun, and I can tell each of those players are good players, yet they're having fun just okay. doing particular chord patterns. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, they're all great players. And, um, you know, Will, our drummer, he's the newest guy in the band. And he's a great guitar player, too. So, you know, he's from England and, and he was, you know, played with another band, a friend of ours. And, and uh, you know, we, we our drummer moved to Seattle and, and this guy was here. And we're like, yeah, man. I mean, he was he was fantastic. And he's he's a blast to be around. James, the other guitar player, he's been in the band, I think, four years now. And uh, he answered a Craigslist ad, and, and you know he's been uh, fantastic, great, great player, um, very inspiring. You know when I when I'm jamming with him or playing with him, and then Mike, he's been in the band since 2004. Oh, so that's good. Yeah, he's been the longest running. You know, it's funny because he has a jazz background. So I remember when he showed up for rehearsal or for for the audition, and uh, 
And I said to my drummer at the time, I said, dude, there's no way this guy's going to stick around. There's just, you know, there's just no way. And he's been in the band since 2014. So, or 2004. That so, is incredible. You know, and he, he's a, yeah, great, great player. I mean, you know, and I think it's mutual respect, you know. And, and you know, we don't just show up for rehearsal, play the set, and leave, you know. We always, every rehearsal, we show up. We all go get dinner together. You know, we, we hang out. Then we come, we rehearse, and then we hang out after rehearsal. That's nice. A little bit of a family feel to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're going to be in a band with somebody, you got to be, it is a family, you know, and you're going to be on the road with them and, you know, everybody's got to get along, you know, and and if you start letting your ego get in the way and all that stuff, it just, it just doesn't work, you know. I mean, I guess it works if you're, you know, Yngwie, you know, yeah. but, you know, he has a rotating thing of band members. I don't want that. No. I don't want guys coming in and out, you know. No. I want, I want a band feel. I, I, the fact that you've been together with the bass player since 2004, that's that's a great member. I mean, I, I don't want yeah. to put any more or less value on a bass player than a drummer, a keyboard player, another guitar player. Sure. But the fact that the bass player is kind of, uh, you know, glue in a lot of environments and, yeah. you know, oh. bringing in a new bass player quite often, it's like he's got to learn your feel. He doesn't know sure. when you're going to take off and do a lead where he may expect you to do a lead and you're not. So this guy yeah. now, now knows your style inside and out. And I'm sure... Yeah. Being that you say you play with your eyes closed a lot, I'm sure there's there's no eye contact needed, and yes, each of no. you know how to, to how to uh, you know intertwine each other's parts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and uh, you know, he like I said, he's a great great player, and he's he's, he's the glue, you know, like yeah. you said. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Ba- and and him, and the, him and Will, they lock in really really well together. So I think me and James, we complement each other really well. That's good. That's good. No, that's a tremendous help. And, and kudos to whatever it is that's made that stick since 2004. Because yeah. it, it is hard. We, we all know this. Um, you know, our, our bandmates are our second family in, in most cases. In some people's cases, maybe their first family. But most sure. of us, it's our second family. And, you know, some, you know, there's, there's challenges in, in regular families keeping, you know, uh, you know, loving each other and getting along and all that kind of stuff. And then your working family, you know, a lot of bands hate their band members. They hate going to rehearsal and a gig is the only time yeah. they're going to show up and, and see each other. So uh, it's nice when you can have right. the cake and eat it too, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, for us, I mean, I, you know, my, me and my drummer, we do Krav Maga together. You know, me and James, we go photography together. You know, we go do that. Mike, he, you know, he works and has, you know, his family and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the great thing is, is, you know, we don't have to check in with each other for rehearsal. You know, it's like if it's rehearsal night, you just show up and everybody else is there. That's you know? cool. Yeah. There's no like, you know, oh, you're going to make rehearsal tonight. Where is this guy? You know, he hasn't showed up. It's, it's not like that at all. You know, everybody, everybody shows up and, and everybody plays their parts and everybody has fun. That's nice because... I've been in so many situations where I've had to literally, okay, are we are still on for tonight. And, and on the flip side of that coin, I became the guy uh, towards the end that would almost want to call in sick because I was not having fun yeah. anymore, you know? And, and that's, that's, right. that's a sign too, yeah. is t- t- time to pack it in. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's a, that's a shame, but you know, it's sometimes it's for the best, I guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's you don't right. want the music to suffer and you don't want the fans to suffer because no. I mean, the, the, they can see right through the bullshit, you know, as, as soon as you, you start faking it, they can tell. That's right. That's right. And for me, when I got out of it, uh, YouTube came right next. So it was a oh, nice, it was a nice transition. Beautiful. I still get to be involved in music. My family's beautiful. right here. So it's, it's, it's a no brainer for me as far as uh, I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. Um, over to the chat again for a quick second. Uh, Quentin James is saying, I was doing a Steely Dan dirty work video, but can't find my capo and those hippies tune up a half a step. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. Good one, Quentin. Um, darn hipsters, right? <laughs> um, FNF Gamer says, working on cleaning up my work area, so I am, I'm quiet in the chat. That's why. No problem. You keep continue working on your, your area. Uh, and Quentin James says, so I gave up. I'd rather watch Eric anyway. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and Sean Cook says, the inventor of guitar core. Very, very nice. Yeah, and a lot of people go. liking that. Jeff Humphrey saying uh, guitar core. I love it as well, too. Um, nice. Awesome, man. Yeah. Um, and let me see. Sean Cook says, Bill played an entire show uh, and literally never opened his eyes. Is that true? Yeah. There you go. That probably is true. Yeah. <laughs> Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. That's yeah, hilarious. That is probably true. Uh, I think the only time I opened my eyes was when I had to talk to the audience. Yeah. That's great. Hey, whatever works, man. It, I, every, everyone has yeah. their thing. Everyone has their little cliches and kind of shticks, you well, know? Yeah, and, and for me, it's not really that I don't want to see the audience. It's that when I close my eyes, I visualize the fretboard and where my fingers are on the fretboard. And I've been playing the Wolfgang long enough now that I kind of know where, you know, where the, the frets are for the most part, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's, you know, I, I don't have to sit there and stare stare at it and, and be like, okay, well, I'm the fifth fret, now I'm on the tenth fret, you know? Um, it just kind of, it's, yeah. And then when I'm at home, even I practice just playing with my eyes closed. I sit on the couch, put on some threes company or Sanford and son and just close my eyes and just play, you know? Oh, I love, and, love the word, the, the, the stuff that you watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the old classics, man. Grew up on it. I mean, both shows, um, uh, yeah. you know, but Sanford and son, fantastic. You know, it's, it's, well, we used to, we used to do the threes company theme live oh, and really? uh, that was, that was a lot of fun. We'd actually get people yelling it out in the audience. So we, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, that became kind of like a crowd favorite. Yeah, it did. It did. You know, it was fun to play. That's cool. Um, John Mulvey, I'm going to skip a few people. I'm going to come back to them again in a second, but he has a very good question. He asked, what is a writing process like for Lonero? Ooh, um, that's, it's totally, uh, well for me, um, I, I used to write with drum loops, um, and then I would try and do the riffs along to those drum loops, and it it worked, but it wasn't it wasn't kind of satisfying too much. So when I was when we were getting ready to do the new album, Defiant Machine, I had written 24 songs for the album doing that with the drum loops, and I wasn't too happy about it. And then one day I sat down and I and I had programmed out the first time I'd ever done this. I programmed out the drum track, and I just did. The, the way that I now do it is I just basically do, um, you know, I do MIDI drums just so I can have a reference. And for every little square, I just put a drum all the way across it. And then I randomly take out these, the notes, just okay. randomly take them out. Then I hit play. And a lot of times a riff will come out of that and it'll, it'll just sound really cool. So what happened was, is I did that and the song came out of it that I, I just riff and I really liked it. It became the, the song Defiant from the new album. And then I did it again, and the song "The Machine" came out of it, out of, the, out of this. You know, it's like da 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 da. It was mm-hmm. really cool sounding, and I was like, "Damn, I like that." So I, I wrote those two songs, and then I titled one "Defiant," the other one was called "The Machine," and I thought, well, the "Defiant Machine" would be a cool title for an album, you know. And then I thought, what could be a "Defiant Machine"? And I thought, well, war is a "Defiant Machine," you know. It's it's. No matter how many protests you have and people, you know, with bumper stickers on the car saying peace, you know, not war, there's always going to be war. There's always going to be conflict. That's just the way humans are. That's right. Um, so the whole album evolved out of that and it became a theme album where every song was based basically on a, a period of throughout the last hundred years of war. 
And so we had a concept album, an instrumental concept album, which was pretty neat. So for me, writing, I mean, you know, a, a riff can come from anywhere, you know, James, you know, can come up with a riff, you know, anybody can come up with a riff, Mike, anybody. Um, but for this last album, you know, I had a lot of stuff that I had written, um, and then James came in, and, and because when, when I started writing The Defiant Machine, James wasn't in the band yet, Will wasn't in the band yet, and, uh, and then when they came, well, James, mostly because he was here uh, longer, he, he added some really cool stuff in there that, uh, like in Burning of Ideals, uh, um, the song um, In Pursuit is pretty much all his song. The only thing I added to it was melody and solo. Um, and then, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's kind of a, a you know, because once you all get together and start rehearsing this stuff to record it, you know, things start to change. You mm -hmm. know? Um, but for me, you know, I, like the song The Hammer, I wrote sitting on my couch watching Three's Company. You know, That's so perfect. Uh, yeah, Three's Company is a very inspiring TV show, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's inspiring in a lot of ways. That's right. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I, I'm going to share tomorrow, actually not tomorrow, my, my young, my son, Eric Jr., he's away for um, for camping for the weekend, but he's an aspiring musician, a young musician, oh. very young, but he's got a lot of talent and he uses very Fruity cool. Loops a lot. And I could see him applying your technique. Now, obviously with MIDI drums, you're painting across uh, with your MIDI drums. Yeah. Same idea with Fruity Loops. I'm going to tell him your idea and, and paint across and just randomly take stuff out, hit play and see where that groove takes you. Yeah, and it, it, it's crazy how... Because the grooves are so not what you would normally no. write. No. You know, because in your head, you've got this, you know, no matter if you think you do or not, you've got this preconceived sound in your head. But when you just randomly take out notes, you don't know what's going to happen, you know? And uh, then you start adding in things, and then it starts building up into a song, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you can really start to see it take shape. It's like, you know, when you, when you know you're going to walk down the stairs, you know how to put one foot in front of the other, and you know you're going to get right. down the stairs safely. But, right. you know, you're, you're forcing yourself to think differently, think outside the box. Um, yeah. That's like a couple of these videos I've seen online. I think it was either like through Rob Scallon or some of these guys where they'll write a song um, and f four or five different musicians got together and they had to write a song without hearing what they're recording. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, crazy? Like yeah. And it's like, it, it's funny. It's almost cringy. But yeah. it goes to show you that you're a good musician if you can still have legible music come out of the other end of it and not necessarily, you're, you're going with your mind, not with your ears. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And you just got to let it happen. You know, you just got to kind of throw out the rules and just let it take you where it's going to take you. That's right. You know, That's I mean, right. On the last album we did, um, uh, it's called JFL, it stands for Just Fucking Listen. Um, it has a, a two songs on there that are, that are um, instrumental punk rock songs. And one is a tribute to the Ramones, that's called Fat Tat, and the other one is a tribute to Social Distortion, and that one's called Good Luck. And uh, they had a song called Bad Luck, so I thought, oh, I'm going to name this one Good Luck. And, uh, you know, and because and, I, I love, you know, Social Distortion, I, I love the Ramones, I, I love the attitude of them, you know, and I think that's why I like ACDC a lot, I love Angus Young's attitude. Sure. You know, he's going to play what he wants to play, he doesn't care what the trends are and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, so for every album, I, I like to do something somewhat different. The first album, my solo album, I did a, I did a Latin song, a classical song, a blues song, acoustic song. And then the next album, I put a Hawaiian song on there, um, Slack Key, you know, amidst all these, you know, hard rock metal songs. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So I just wanted to do something different. You know, there's no rules. You don't, there's nothing that says you've got it. You know, the, your instrumental album has to be, you know, all this shredding stuff, you know, whatever. Just do what you feel like doing. Do, do what you want to do i mean if you start making music because you think this group over here this is what they want to hear 
you, 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 it's not going to go anywhere. You yeah. know, you've got to you've got to play because the people know when they listen to it that you're playing what you want to play. Yeah, if you please, if you please yourself, and when you go to show with people live, even if they're new fans, never seen you before, if they get there, they see you, they they see you believing in it yourself, yeah. and of course, if it's good music on top of it, um, you know, you're selling it to them with your with your pitch, right? That's and right. If they feel it, they believe it, they become a fan. They'll tell one of their friends, and then all of a sudden, they you've got a following. Um, That's right. Over in the chat, got my buddy Kevin Landorf's here for one of the first times in a while. Uh, he's a police officer. He's probably off tonight. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for what you do, Kevin. Nice to see you That's here right. for sure. Uh, and John Mulvey said he was going to ask about the hammer. Um, and I, oh. I always like to use segues to set up my next little discussion. Yeah. And with John, we talked about earlier with his uh, his innovation. Another thing, not only with guitar, you uh, as far as the performance is innovating, you, you've actually invented something. That when I was looking on the website, now I saw this before on the website, and always show day. I always like to re back. I like to kind of surround myself with everything that the guest does. Um, sure. And so I went back to your website today, and the uh, the strap tight strap lock system, one of yeah. the probably one of the simplest concepts. However, a brilliant, brilliant thing. Tell people what strap tight uh, strap lock systems are. Uh, how were the where you got kind of the the um, I don't know the inspiration to to do this and some of the artists that are using this product. So about three years ago, I think it was, I was literally standing in this exact spot and I was had my number one Wolfgang on and uh, and I let go of it and it just hit the ground. It just, headstock hit the ground. And at the time, this was a concrete floor. Right now it's wood. And it separated the fretboard from the neck. And there was mm. this gap that was just, devastating I, I literally had tears in my eyes i was like this is the end of my number one wolf game the one i've had forever so i i got pissed and i thought you know at the time i was using you know the leading strap lock where it has the washer and the little push pull pin and you know you, you need pliers and screwdrivers and all this stuff and i thought you know what this is ridiculous you don't need all this stuff to secure your strap to your guitar mm -hmm. you just need something to put over the strap that goes around your strap pin and you're done so when I was a kid, I remember I used to use the plastic bread ties. Yes. And so I called my friend Rob Stefani, who owns a company called Hot Picks, a guitar pick company. And I said, hey, look, I said, grab grab a bread tie. And he goes, why? And I said, just grab it. So he goes, you're not going to believe this, but I've got like 400 of them sitting on my counter in a jar. And I don't know why <laughs> I've got them here, but I've been collecting them. My daughter's like, why are you collecting these? He's like, I don't know. So he grabs it. He said, okay. And I said, now grab a guitar and a strap. And he, he instantly knew where I was going with it. He goes, you got to be kidding me. And I said, no, just do it. So he did it and, and it went on. And he goes, dude, he, he goes, are you thinking about you want to do this? I said, yeah. And I explained to him why. So he came over the house and we sketched out this little design. And I gave it to my brother. And my brother was a machinist and he made the first little plastic one. And the plastic one was all I needed as kind of proof of concept. So I texted Satriani and I said, hey, I know you don't use strap locks. And I said, I think I know why. But I said, I've got an idea and I'd like to bring it over to you. I'd like to, you know, he's OK. So can you come by my house and, and put one on the guitar? I said, sure. So I went over there with my friend Frank and I get there. And Joe's got three guitars laid out on his table. And he said, if you could put a strap lock on these, I'm sold. And I just put it, pulled it out of my pocket and popped it on. And he slapped his forehead and he goes, that's the dumbest, most brilliant idea I've ever seen. He goes, why didn't I think of that? He, yeah. goes, that, he goes, it solves the problem. And he goes, there's no noise. He goes, it's, there's no tools required. And I even had him, I had him pull on the strap. It didn't come off. And he said, do you need an endorsee? And I said, absolutely. And so he became our first endorsee, our biggest champion. And, Not uh, a bad you know, place we, to start. We, yes, absolutely <laughs> a great place to start. 
Um, so he got us Glenn Hughes. Uh, he texted me one day and said, hey, Glenn Hughes is going to be emailing you. I just did the album with him, and, and he loved them. And so Glenn Hughes emailed me like, a, uh, I think it was an hour later, and got him on board. And we've got Greg Morrow from Plenty Heavy, who we're going to go on a tour with. We've got Bjorn England. We've got Adrian Gallish, Andy Timmons. Um, we've got, uh, we've got uh, my friend um, uh, up in Atlanta. I mean, his band. We've got uh, a lot of uh, De, uh, Don, Don DeLamont. Um, just a lot of great players, you know, that are using it. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're using it because it's simple. You know, you don't need, I mean, I'll show it to you. Let me grab. Yeah, grab please it. do. That'd be awesome. Uh, so basically, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's that right there, that little guy right there. You see that? Yep. And that's it. And I mean, if you put, you know, I'm, Pull in and it won't come off. And then if I want to take it off, all I got to do is just twist it and I'm done. I want to put it back on. I just put it back on. I'm done. We can print on these. Um, you know, these are the new models. The other ones were more bread tie looking. But the reason I made them like that was because I wanted them so you can have the other end to be a guitar pick. Okay. Uh, you could clip it up here on your tuner and you've got, you know, you got a spare guitar pick if you needed it. Um, so they worked out you know, really, really well. And, uh, and you know we sell we sell a pack of four of them for seven ninety nine. You know they're all one hundred percent made in the U S. Um, you know even the packaging is made in the U S. And um, you know we didn't we weren't trying to you know rip anybody off or you know break anybody's bank. You know we want people to have secure guitars. You know I like that. Uh, yeah, and it took a year for us to develop the material. So once we got Joe on board, it's like okay now we actually got to develop the right material that would be bendable, that would you know be really flexible go back to its shape, wouldn't break, you know? So we went to the NAMM show with a prototype that was basically almost made of, it was made of glass. Oh, almost wow. had glass particles in it. So we were terrified if somebody were to try and bend it, it would just shatter because that's what they did. But we had bags of all these different material, you know, ones made out of all different materials. And, uh, you know, the, the, some would work, but they wouldn't go back into shape or they'd break or, you know, but it wasn't until we came with this five different materials that it actually worked. You know. I, I love that. No, can you can you share with us if you if you can't say yes or no to this? Can you share with us why Joe, Joe doesn't like strap locks, the conventional strap locks? Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't like them because um, one, the microphonic transparency that you get from the uh, you know, like when you put on a shower or a Dunlop. I've like got one right metal. here. I've got one right there here. There you go. Yeah. That's see, that's the little bastard that broke on my guitar right there. Okay. That's the one. Yeah, the, the, and it wasn't the, the, the washer that came off, like mostly they always do, right? It was the actual pin inside that didn't engage. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what that's what came loose on it. So I was like, done, I'll never use those again. So what he doesn't like about them is is that noise, when you're, especially if you're playing at high volume, the noise from that metal, what do you call it, um, the, the, the strap lock, actually it gets transferred into the body of the guitar and out the pickups. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that is the main reason he said he didn't like it, but also because, you know, you've got to take your existing strap post off your guitar. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, you've now ruined that hole, and it's been compromised, and it'll never, ever be the same again. And so with ours, there's no screws, there's no screwdrivers, there's no taking your post off, and you can use it on literally just about any guitar post, any strap, and it will work right out of the box. They just pop it on and you're done. You know what? I love this. And I see I see a comment in the chat from Carlos Santos. He says, cool invention. He's going to order some. I'm, I'm really, awesome. really glad we had this discussion. Like, this is going to be one takeaway I'm going to love to share with people because, okay, no, I do use Shaler. I'm not going to lie. I use the Shaler ones and I don't buy the copy ones. I always buy Shaler yeah. and I've been using them for many, many yeah. years. Now, I 
here's I'm going to say what I sure. like about Shaler better than some of the other ones. Now, I remember my bass player in the band, I forget what brand he had, but he had the ones where you had to physically push in the pin. And I thought these ones were better yeah. because even if the pin, you can't pull the pin out, or if the pin does come out, you've still got the, the, the horseshoe to grab it, right? That's the only advantage I like of this over the other style. But, yeah. So the problem with that horseshoe is that that horseshoe is not oriented the, the I right know. way. You have to have it so it's, it's Which cupping. Which is what happened. Yes. And you have to be careful when you yes, put that exactly. on. So here's here's the downfall I've had with those too. So we're we're definitely on in the same camp here when it comes to loving your style, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I've I put the horseshoe on the wrong way. So I've had it like this. So if yeah. the pin lets go, it's gonna fall right out. You have to have it like this. So That's another right. thing that you've mentioned, and this is hundred percent true, is the fact that now see here on my show, uh, the a lot of Van Halen discussion. Sure. And I'm probably one of the only guys on the planet who doesn't put the eye hooks in their guitars. Yeah. I just yeah. don't like doing that to my guitars. You want to talk about compromising a hole in a guitar. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, one-inch eye I hooks. Mean, we'll see. And, yeah, and Eddie can do that because Eddie gets all the guitars he wants. That's right. You know, and, or make his own. The average person on the street is not, you know, they, they don't they don't get that. You know? I know. I can't um, do it to my guitars. I just can't. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, and I will never. None of my guitars are modded. None of my whoop gangs are modded whatsoever. Everything that's is exactly straight from the factory. You know, I don't change my pickups out. I don't change my tuning machines out. I don't change anything. The only thing I do is I put my little stickers on the front and back of it, and that's it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you a funny story about the, the, the strap lock. There was, a, uh, um, there, was a, there was a guitar store locally here. Rob was there. It's called Guitar Showcase. And Rob, and, and Rob was there, and uh, we're really good friends with the owner and the staff. And one day he's sitting up in the owner's office, and one of the reps from Fender came by. And they're sitting around the owner's desk, and there's some strap tights sitting on the uh, on the on the, the desk. And the guy said, "Well, what are these?" And the owner said, "Oh, you got to try these out. These are strap locks." And the guy goes, "Come on now." He goes, "This is just a piece of plastic. That's not going to hold anything." So Rob said, "Here, let me show you something." So Rob takes them downstairs, and they go into the showroom where all the guitars are, and they pop it uh, one of the, the the strap tights on a $3,500 Telecaster. Rob said, "Okay, go ahead and pull on it." So the guy pulls on it, and I go, oh, man, give it a really good yank. Just pull on it. This guy pulls on it anymore. He says, man, come on. You're pulling it like a little schoolgirl. Really pull that thing. <laughs> well, the guy pulled it, and it ripped right off. And he said, see, I told you. He said, it won't, it won't last. Rob said, take a look again. The guy, he holds up the strap. On the end of the strap is the screw that ripped right out of the body, still attached to the strap with the strap tight still attached to the, to the post. And now that's so a testimony. So he couldn't believe it. Yeah, he couldn't believe it. He could not believe that that little piece of plastic held up while the the screw from the body ripped right out. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure you agree with this. There's no better connection. I, I don't want to use the connection is not the right word. There's no better strap button than what comes with your guitar as far That's as right. the strength. Absolutely. Because That's even right. putting these these uh, Shaler ones on there, I had this conversation either last night or it was the night before. I Very recently, one of my last couple of shows, I've said that when I've used the Shalers, um, probably over the course, let's say I've had a guitar for 10 years, and with that same particular Shaler system, which is on all my guitars, each one of those mm -hmm. guitars is probably, I've taken toothpicks, probably I'd say oh, on, yeah. a, on a 10-year guitar, probably about five, six times over the course of the years, yep. and either epoxy resin or wood glue, and putting it back in, and it always yep. seems to go at a gig, you know, and when you absolutely. can spin your strap lock at a gig, you're like, oh, this guitar is going to fall tonight. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the thing about strap locks is, it really comes down to the less components you have, the better. Yes. You know, you, if, once you start adding in screws and washers and, you know, all this stuff and, and nuts, you, you've completely ruined it. You know, you, there's, just, there's just no need. 
for that many components to hold your strap on. It's it's an archaic design. It's an archaic mentality, and it just there's just no need for it. That's that's fantastic, and I, I feel like I learned something. A lot of us learned something tonight too, as far as Joe, because a lot of us are fans of Joe's. Sure. Um, I think uh, he's probably my second favorite guitarist on the planet, next to obviously Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. But I've I've always wondered that. You see him playing these beautiful guitars. Now I thought yeah. I thought the reason you know just as a, as in me being an idiot, just thinking that he he doesn't have strap locks because he changes guitars maybe you know so often whatever yeah. there's no need for it. The strap's not getting sure. necessarily worn. Maybe he has you know because he has his own strap. Maybe yeah. he's got so many of them that if he wears one out, he just throws it away. I had no clue. Yeah. So it's nice to sure, know. Sure. Yeah, no, and, and he, like I said, he's been a big champion of it. And we have, you know, Joe Satriani printed ones that we sell on the website, straptight.com, and, and uh, you know, people buy those, and, and it's great, you know. Perfect. Uh, I see a question over in the chat from Swanee72 says, Bill, this is Neil. Uh, any chance of a tour through the Midwest, specifically Wisconsin? So let's let's jump right into the tour talk right now. So you have a yep. tour coming up, and, and you can address where you're going and maybe answer Swanee's question there as well, too. Yeah, so we're, we're doing it's just three dates. So me, Jody Rummel, uh, has a band out of uh, Salt Lake City called uh, Limitless, and then uh, Greg Mara, um, his band Plenty Heavy. We're going to do uh, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Denver, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. And, you know, we call it the Guitar Uproar Tour, U-P-R-O-A-R. Gotcha. And I thought, that's a great title for, you know, a guitar tour. You know, it's, it's um, you know, but there's definitely going to be plenty of bass, plenty of drums in there. Um, you know, but it, it is, it's kind of our way to get out there. You know, it's not G3. You know, we don't have all the big sponsors behind us. We don't have the big, you know, all the big money behind us. Of course. It's, you know, three bands who love playing music who love playing instrumental, who love playing guitar. Greg is going to be singing and singing some of his songs. And, um, you know, it's just we're going out there because we love playing live, you know, because we're not going to wait for somebody else to, to hey, you want to go on tour? We're, going to, we're making it happen ourselves, you know. So this three-day tour is kind of like our test the water, see how it goes. If the turnout is good, then, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do something else and, you know, hopefully go at the Midwest and, you know, we, we went on the Midwest twice. We went out there with Tony McAlpine. We were main support with him in 2014, 2015. And, uh, you know, I love Tony. I mean, he's an incredible, incredible musician. And you know, growing up, he was one of my idols, you know. You know, I, I remember hearing him for the first time, just being blown away by him. And so to now tour with him and call him a friend. We just got back from Vegas, actually. Went to Vegas for, you know, a few days, me, him, and my drummer. And uh, we just had a blast, and, and it was just a vacation just to get away. And, and um, you know, so hopefully, you know, when we went out there with Tony, you know, played, you know, Columbus and, and uh, all kinds of, you know, Cincinnati and, and ever Cleveland, actually, because I remember we got on stage and we said, hello, Cleveland. That was, <laughs> I remember that. Spinal it was something tap. I always wanted to do. Uh, yeah, uh, but, Spinal tap, know, for sure. We, yeah, we went from coast to coast uh, twice. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to do that again. And, and you know, there's, there's talks about doing it again. That's great. I think what, what I could suggest to some of your fans that may be watching tonight that would love to see in certain areas, like we, we have this conversation with every single guest, at, well, I shouldn't say every single guest, but it comes up often, where, you know, how come you won't play in Boise, Idaho? How come you can't play yeah. in Toronto, Ontario? What I suggest is call your local promoter, your local venues, and say, look, there's this band, Lanero. you got to check yeah. them out. And then you, know, get, you keep calling and bug them and email them and say, yeah. check out this band. And if they can, you know, book you and then they can route some other, you know, gigs uh, along sure. that area, you might be able to do some of these, um, you know, remotes. 
Yeah, and you know, and the thing is, it's like, it really, the fans have a lot of power, right? Mm-hmm. The fans make or break a band. Without a fan, you know, you're just sitting in your room, you're sitting in your garage, you're playing to yourself, you know? That's right. The fans are the ultimate deciding factor of your success. Right. I mean, it, it's it's truly up to them. So, yeah, it, it, you know, we get emails, we get requests, we get, you know, comments and and, you know, messages, you know, come, we've had people in India, you know, come, come play in India, come play, you know, the Philippines, come, you know, our guitar players in the Philippines. Right. Um, we'd love to play there. My drummer's from England, you know, so, you know, we get requests from England and, and you know, Brazil. And I, I would love to, I mean, if I could right this second, I would love to go Hop on a plane. the band and just go, you know, and, and just play. Yeah. You know, I mean, anybody that I hear when they complain about touring, I'm just like, you're out of your mind, man. You know, I mean, I love it. I, I absolutely love touring. I love a different city every night, a different, you know, a different hotel every night, um, a different stage every night, you know, and you just meet so many cool people. And I think for me, that's the, that's really the coolest thing is because you meet so many cool people um, at shows and, right. and you find out you have so much in common with a lot of these people, you that's know? Uh, so, yeah. So for me, it's, it's, that's, that's really exciting. And of course, playing on stage. I absolutely love playing on stage. You know, more than anything. I mean, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to hear people say, well, the only reason I recorded an album is so I can play on stage. <laughs> and I kind of agree with that. You know, it's like you, you, you just record new music so you can go on stage and play it. You That's know? right. And, and to me, that is the, the most exciting thing. You know, when those lights go down and, you know, you're going to go up there and there's a whole bunch of people in that audience who've never heard of you, you know, and you have to win them over. And that's such a cool challenge. That's something that Eddie Van Halen always liked. That's the only thing he ever liked about going into the studios because he knew right after it was going to be meant to road, and that's where he was in his uh, comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. And he was probably the one I heard that quote from, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So there's a couple points here, too. Uh, I missed one thing because uh, uh, Jeff Humphreys was asking where we can get the straps, uh, the, the strap uh, lock. So John Mulvey said they're included with three. Is, now, was he referring to yours or um, the, your yes. strap? Okay, uh, perfect. So they yeah, come with we're going to be including them with 3G guitars. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Nocturnal Butterfly got the link. I think she got it right. Strap, uh, straptight.com. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. So people take a yeah, look at that. She is on it. She is. She's good. She she's, is good. On it. she's wow. she's good. She's she's vying for my job and 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 I <laughs> I can't take her job because I suck at the chat. I really do. <laughs> so she's great at it. I really appreciate That's it. It really awesome. helps me. Uh and Jim Dales had a point too. He says uh uh they are fantastic. The round ones are easy to get on and off. The custom awesome. Satriani ones uh like for Shockwave Supernova are great to display. Any new ones coming for his new album or Chicken Foot? Is that something that you can share with us? Yeah, actually, it's funny because I, I literally was just over at Joe's house a week and a half ago, and I and I was talking about this because he loaned me one of his guitars, and so I said, you know, hey, you know, I need some artwork. Do you have any anything you want to put on the new the new ones? And so he gave me the new CD. He gave me a guitar pick, and he said, well, maybe you can come up with you know a concept you know using this. So we're we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, but we're definitely going to do some. It's going to be new style of printing. It's not going to be ink printing. It's going to be like a. Um, uh, UV uh, UV printing, okay. so it won't rub off. It won't, you know, it won't crack or anything like that. It'll, it'll, and the colors are really bright. That's great. I, I love that. And he's always got some really cool. I mean, his his sketches oh. are just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and this, and the artwork. I mean, the albums. Every album, and lately has been doing something really, really cool in terms of artwork. And I'm a big fan of of the physical CD. Oh yeah, um, me too. You know, I love. I mean, all of our albums, I do all the artwork for it. I do all the layout for it, you know, and, and, I, and I, I get a lot of pleasure out of that mm-hmm. because I can lay it out the way I want it. You know, you can, and 
you know, I like to read the liner notes. I want to know who, who wrote what song. I want to know who produced it, where it was recorded at. And I want to read the thank yous, you know? Yeah. To, to me, the thank yous are, 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 are a kind of a, they're a really cool thing because, you know, you're acknowledging people that helped you through your journey. You know, and nowadays it's just all MP3s. There's no thank yous anymore. You don't know who produced what, who played on what. That's right. And, and to me, it, that's made music really disposable and kind of like, no, it doesn't have any weight to it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and the fact that anybody can put music on iTunes now, you don't, you don't even need to, you just go through CD Baby, boom, you're done. They'll put it up on, on iTunes for it. You don't even have, it could be anything you want it to be. And it's, that's taking away the validity of music, you know, I, what I agree. music was supposed to be, you know, I think. You know, if you think back, you, you were a vinyl guy at one point in your life, I would assume. No, I never, never, never was a vinyl dude. Okay, yeah. well, you, I'm sure you'll still relate to this because you say yeah. you like reading the liner notes today. Oh yeah. So as but I have some vinyl. Yeah. So as a kid, I, I remember like looking at some of the simplest vinyl liner notes. Like obviously, in a lot of cases, they were pretty simple in record. Sometimes you get a fold out booklet and things like that. But sure. let's say a simp- a simplistic liner note that maybe, and I'm going to really stretch here, but a thousand words with the thank yous, who's on what, blah 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 yeah. blah. But those thousand words, which is not a lot, that's just like a small little article that you'd read online yeah. now, you would re- listen to that record and it would take you the whole time from flipping the record and everything, side A and side B, to read those notes. And by the time the record was done, you just finished, you knew who produced it, you know who the, right. the engineered it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it was a cool experience. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of things that people today who just focus on MP3s or WAV files, they don't have that experience, mm-hmm. you know? So a lot of times they don't even know who's who anymore. They oh I like this song. They listen to it, but they don't, they, don't, they they know the band, but that's about it. I know. know. That's um, right. The art you know, who's the art director? What's that? Who's the art director? Who's yeah you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The art director, the creative director, you know, the engineers, you know. Sometimes you even find out, you know, the the gear they used, what yeah. console it was recorded on. Exactly. That's all really cool stuff. Yeah. Something you can you can share with Joe the next time you see him. This is kind of a fun little fact. I I'm I'm becoming more of a digital guy now just because I I don't consume as much music anymore as I'm getting older. Now I'm actually I am kind of in a way, and I'm discovering new music thanks to my boy. He's introducing me to music that I wouldn't listen to, and I'm introducing him to music that he would never listen to, like you know, uh, a craft work and bands like that of all things. You know, yeah. like one day we're we're looking for some robotic things, and I said, Hey, have you ever heard of that band Kraftwerk? He's like, No, and I showed him he loves them now, right? But um, I only when I buy CDs anymore, I only buy CDs from two people. I buy Van Halen CDs, and I'll never listen to the CD. I, I yeah. buy them, and then a lot of times they'll come with digital download, or I'll just rip them to my iPod right away. The CD will go on the shelf, but I have it for when I want to look at it. Yeah. And yeah. Joe Satriani. That's the only CDs yeah. I buy because I was still buying CDs when these when these people were obviously in their heyday and still in their heyday. Yeah. Um, but. I got collecting them and I just couldn't stop, you know? So I would, yeah. I would bring a new CD. Uh, I couldn't just say, well, I'm just going to download it from iTunes. I really wanted to have that physical piece. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's where I am. You know, I, I, especially for me, I want to have our physical album. Of course. You know? Yeah. Who wouldn't? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean that, you know, because it's such a monumental task, you know, to, to put out an album, you know, from, from start to finish, it's, you know, it could take years. I mean, you know, our last album, Defined Machine, took three years to, to get it to get it done. Yeah. You know, and then once we got it done, we ended up basically scrapping the whole album after it was already produced and packaged. And bre- and we went back in the studio. We went to Prairie Sun Studios, which, you know, as, as growing up as a guitar player, Prairie Sun was the holy grail of yeah. guitar player studios, right? 
And, and the only time I'd ever been there prior to that was Marty Friedman invited me to come to hang out while he was mixing his album Music for Speeding. So I went there and I hung out and I was like, oh my God, I'm at Prairie Sun Studios with Marty Friedman and this is amazing. And then when we went to go do, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, The Defiant Machine um, with Andy Waters who, who co-produced it, uh, we were there for four days, four or five days and we stayed there on the property and and just absorbed that we were in there with the SSL board and with Neve, you know, Mike Prees and oh, it was so much fun, man. So much fun. That alone yeah. is creative, uh, you know, IV right into yeah. you. Yeah, Prairie Sun is just one of the coolest places. You know, it's an old chicken ranch and, uh, you know, Mooka Rennick is the owner and, and he's just one of the sweetest, sweetest people you'll ever meet in your life. And I um, mean, if anybody out there is looking for a studio to go to that they really want to kind of absorb music history. Yeah. Uh, Tom Waits recorded two of his biggest albums there. I mean, you got Santana record there and Journey. I think Metallica's recorded there. And of course, all the shrapnel stuff. Um, it is the place to go to. I mean, it really is. Because they have apartments where you could stay on the property. They have a, they have a guest cottage and they have two little guest uh, rooms. And they're just really cool, man. That's awesome. That, that'd be yeah. really nice to actually physically stay there and never have to leave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got a couple of people here that uh, some old fans of yours um, and new, and friends as well too. So the first one is Cowlin eighty says, "Holy crap, it's Bill Lanero! How sweet is that? I used to chat with dude all the time back in the day in MySpace." Uh, it says, "Great guy, and I got an autographed picture of him." And another familiar name, Mara Music is here. Greg is here. Ah, yes, absolutely. He says, "Hey, Bill, and here doing the shows with him." Yeah, absolutely. fantastic! What a great guy yeah, too, great. And a monster player. He's a yeah, monster great, player. Greg is great. I, so. He came here about two weeks ago, and uh, I took him out to Prairie Sun. And, you know, he played with Bruce Brule. He's played on stage with Paul Gilbert. And, yeah. and it was really cool to take him there to kind of like to watch him really get the excitement that I had when mm-hmm. I went there, you know. So I was so happy to take him there and, and, and show him and, and introduce him to Tim and, and Muka. And, uh, you know, we spent a few hours there and it was, it was just fantastic, man. That's nice uh, of you to do that. I mean, a lot of, some, some people out there, I mean, like to sh- hog these things all for themselves and not want to have that glory for anybody else. I never else. got that's, that. That's yeah, cool. I never understood that, you know? know. It's like everything's always better when it's shared, you know? I love that. Uh, unless it's your woman. But, yeah. you know, other than that, yeah, other than that, everything's pretty much better when it's shared. That's um, right. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, He's he's a yeah great player. So I'm really looking forward to going on tour with him and and, and Jody and um, and their bands and and it should be a lot of fun. You know? I, I think you and, picked and a the good cool thing. Is yeah nobody has any attitudes between all these bands. You know nobody has any attitude. There's no ego. There's no where well, I'm going to upstage you and I'm yeah. going to do this and you know it's it's you know I'm going to tech for him and he's going to tech for me. He may not know that yet, but you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, we're going to you know I'm going to help him load his gear. Matter of fact, he's going to use my gear. He's going to nice. use my rig. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in fact, I, the, the drummer's going to use uh, our drum set, our, our drummer's drum set. Their bass player's going to use our bass rig. That's smart. You know? It's just smart thinking all around. Yeah, because, I mean, you get more stage space, you know. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more stage time because you don't have to worry about, you know, tearing everything down. And, you know, I just wish this attitude that, you know, is so pervasive amongst musicians that, you know, I've got to keep everything to myself. And, you know, I, I don't want to tell you my secrets, you know. I just wish that would go away because it really it's it's like if you help out them, they'll help you out, hopefully. And it's good karma. And it just helps build the music scene all around. You know, I agree. I, I, I've toyed about starting or trying to start a a kind of uh, a service where let's say a musician comes to town. 
they're they're flying into town. They need gear to borrow, right? Mm-hmm. So you lo- you loan it, it, it's kind of like a barter service, right? You loan them the gear. Well, when you play their town, they loan you their gear. Yeah. You know, you, know, you go to their show when they're here. You know, of course, your gear is going to be there. You can, you know, it's it's just a matter of you know, kind of everybody helping each other out. You know, I like that. and and you know, if if you're playing an ampli, you know, they're playing your amplifier. They're not going to blow your amplifier up. You know, what are you afraid of? You know, it's just. You know, let them bring their own symbols for the drum set, you know? That's right. Any just, breakables and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But stuff like, you know, amplifiers and pedal board, they're not going to break it. You know, they're going to be on stage or play for 45 minutes, an hour, and they're done. So, you know, it, it's, I just wish that, that they were more willing to help each other out. I so. agree. I agree. There's another question here. And after we grab this question from a, a viewer here, let's jump over and have a look at these beautiful Wolfgangs because right. you and I and a lot of our viewers here too share a lot of passion for the Wolfgang. Yeah. And I pulled out two of my PVs as well here. I've got three of them here, but two of them ready to go. We'll share some of mine after yours. But Relic asked a question. He says, Bill, uh, when you compose, do you feel like you're creating something completely from scratch? Or is there ever a feeling that you're discovering some underlying uh, reality or musical truth? I try and create completely from scratch. Like, so when I'm writing, I don't listen to any other music. I don't, you know, I'll say, I do listen to Sinatra, Elvis, and Dean Martin. Those are my three, always, I always listen to those guys, you know, that's just kind of my go-to thing. But when I'm writing, I don't listen to any guitar music, I don't listen to any heavy metal, I don't listen to any hard rock or anything like that. I try, not that I want to create in a vacuum, but I want to know that whatever I'm writing, for the most part, is coming from me, and I'm not ripping it off from Metallica or Death Angel or, you know, Steve Vai or Joe, you know? I know. I, I'm, I'm trying to be as original as possible with the songs. You know? That happened to me once, um, not recently, but I'm going to say probably about eight years ago. I come up with what I thought was, I was so proud of a riff I yep. wrote, and I was playing it for Sandra Lee here, Nocturnal Butterfly, and she says, um, what were you listening to last night? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really proud. And she's, she's a really honest person, right? She'll say, yeah. that's awesome. Or it sucks. It's like, mm, whatever. But she's, she says to yeah. me, what were you listening to last night? And of course I was, that was my Joe Satriani phase where uh, I, 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 even Joe was above the uh, Eddie Van Halen on a pedestal for me for a while there. Yeah. And I was listening to one of his tracks. I forget which one it was, but it was, you play it back and it was 100% the same riff. And, wow. uh, and I mean, I'm talking his rhythm riff. I'm like, I can't play his leads. Um, but I was like, oh, man, I was so disappointed, you know, because he, Joe did it. Yeah, know? so that happened to me once, actually. We were uh, working on the album uh, Relentless, and I remember at the time we were rehearsing at my house. We didn't have this place, and uh, this is around 2008, I think it was, and I, had, I kept showed the best. I got this riff right here, blah, 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 and my drummer, Steve, goes, dude, that's from the movie Transformers. I went, <laughs> are you kidding me? He goes, no. I go, well, that explains it. I did watch it last night. So there you that, go. I, I mean, it was a straight-up rip-off, and I'm glad he told me, because if he didn't tell me, be embarrassing. I would put it out there thinking it was mine. It was such a killer rip. I don't remember who did it, but it was just a great riff. Oh, you know? It wasn't yeah. Lincoln Park or anything, right? Which one? Lincoln Link- Park? Yeah. I don't know, but it, I, I remember it was on the F sharp to G on the low E, and that's all okay. I remember of the riff. But uh, it that was just sucks. a really sweet riff. The only thing that the only thing that sucks uh, more about writing one of your own riffs is when you write one that's not yours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's that's absolutely the worst thing in the world. Because know? no matter how good it is, you have to instantly throw it away. Yeah, it's gone. That's right. Now it's one thing to be inspired by somebody else and use it as a stepping stone and build off of it. 
which I try not to do, you know, but it can happen, you know, obviously. Nobody, I guess, can create in a vacuum. I know. Unless you're Frank Zappa, right? And then you just, you know, you just throw everything you can in there. That's right. You know, but, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, Vi's really good at that, at really taking something really kind of, I don't want to say stale, but stock, Mm -hmm. and turning it into something that's really unique, you know. He's really good at that. He is, and not only with his songwriting and arrangements, but his use of effects. Um, oh. I mean, he, I mean, he takes effects as in a, in a direction, like not just like I, I like people like Tom Morello and people like that can use effects as a voice. Yeah. But Steve Vai can. Uh, I, I like his use of effects better than his guitar playing. If that makes any sense. Sure, sure, that makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, another statement here. We're going to jump over to some guitars. 3G, uh, 3G TV says he loaned Gary Hoey a 412 cab for his uh, San Francisco show. That's pretty cool. Oh, oh yeah. nice, nice. Nice. Love Gary we Hoey. Played, we played many shows with Gary. He's yeah, a good dude. I've known Gary since, I think I've known him since 94, 93, somewhere around. 94, probably. Yeah. yeah and, you know, it's great guy, great player, you know. Uh, he's he gone is. more the blues route now, mm-hmm. you know, and which doing is very cool. well. You know, he looks great on stage with the suit. He does. Sharp a little too man. hot for me. I couldn't wear a suit on stage, man. I don't know how he know. does it. He's been very kind to me yeah. on the show here, so I'm very, I'm very blessed to very have cool. had him a couple times. Uh, so very let's cool. let's look at some guitars, man. Tell us what it, tell us what it is about this Wolfgang guitar that uh, has just uh, you know captivated you. All right. So, well, one, I mean, I really, I really like the body of it mm-hmm. i mean uh i don't think there's a way to flip this camera right no there isn't that's all right that's all right is there no that's oh yeah there is hold on yeah you might be able to flip it see if that there we go all right there we go beautiful so i can, so I can nice. do this now so what i i mean what i like about one that's purple so you know at the time when i when i got these guitars i was i was playing this guitar right here which is the this this Ibanez right here, okay. um, USA Custom, um, which was a which was a really really cool guitar, um, but it, it wasn't kind. Of, it had a whammy bar on it, and I'm not a whammy bar guy um, so much. Um, so a friend of mine, Paul, the photographer guy, he had a Wolfgang, and I was like, oh man, I said this thing plays amazing. I love this thing. Um, so I ended up buying one on eBay, which was this one here, mm-hmm. um, and you can see that the, the fretboard is just absolutely. Where's that? Right there. Right there. Absolutely filthy. Oh, that is a dirty board. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely just, just filthy. And uh, so I, uh, I basically, I bought this one. It was eight hundred dollars, no tax, free shipping, and I, I was sold. I, I so that was my main guitar. And then what happened was a friend of mine gave me these two over here, and he knew I liked purple, so he he gave me these two, and 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 I ended up, you know, I was like, okay, I want more purple ones, so I want I'm on the lookout to buy, you know, some more purple Wolfgangs, and then this one here, this is a special one because this one is actually a prototype. It only has one toggle, it has one volume knob, and then it has a toggle switch here. That's a coil tap, and then if you look at the top on it, it's it's, it's just a beautiful tiger stripe, and then the back is a really really nice. Um, bird's eye maple that's beautiful but it has no eye. serial number on it and this one was actually one of the ones that they would build and then send to eddie to basically have him test it out see if he likes it and then he'd send it back and say okay make these changes so this one had the toggle switch on it so this one used to belong to neil zaza neil gave it to my friend frank who then gave it to me for my for a birthday gift um which was a beautiful birthday gift um so all of these these three they're, they're all exactly the same same stickers on them you know, and so what I did is, is I kind of, 
I used to be endorsed by PV back in 2010, I think it was. And then PV, this is when David Elliston from Megadeth was my rep over there. Yeah, mine so, too. Yeah, there you go. So when he left, they kind of basically said F you to all the artists that weren't, you know, Eddie Van Halen and all those guys, you know, that stature. So, uh, you know, a, a few like so they started rebuilding these Wolf games, the new ones. I think they call them the HP twos or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to him. I sent him a few emails. I said, look, I used to play Wolf. I mean, I used to endorse, you know, PV or PV used to endorse me. And and I would love to be involved with you guys again. I, I, I you know, I'd love to, to play the new Wolf game. Three emails, two phone calls. They never wrote back to me, not once. And I was like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm not going to promote you anymore. I'm not going to, you know, be on stage sporting a PV Wolf game. So all of my guitars are now this brand. See if you can see that. Who fucking cares? Exactly. That is that is what all the guitars now say on them. Um, all the one my stage guitars. They all stay, say who fucking cares. Because ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, they're not doing me any favor. I'm not going to do them any favor. Of course. Uh, you know, I play these guitars because I love them, not because they gave them to me. You know, I just love playing the PV Wolfgang. I love the body shape. And in fact, I actually was offered an endorsement by Music Man, and they were going to give me, you know, uh, uh, basically an endorsement with them. And I said, you know what? I said, they're really great guitars. They're all pretty much signature guitars, it seems like. You know, they got the Steve Morris and the Albert Lee and the Petrucci and all these guitars and the Lukather. And I was like, yeah, that's cool and all, but the main reason why I did not do the endorsement is because I couldn't put the stickers on here like this. Their body shape is completely wrong for that. So I was like, well, I'm not going to screw up that. And, you know, I like this and I'm just going to stick with this, you know. So that is that's why I ended up staying with with PV, you know, or with what I should say with who fucking cares, you know. That that's absolutely amazing, and and now years you got three of them there in the purple. Do you know the yep. years uh, consecutively? Are they all the same year? Are they uh, very variable? Uh, th this one here, my main one, that one's like nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so that's one of the early, early ones. These two over here, I believe, are around two thousand one. Okay, um, so they're still pretty early as well. And then this one here is it predates all of them. Right. So yeah, so that so yeah, they're all pretty old. They're all over fifteen years old. Mine, the three I have are 97, 98, and 99. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now we yeah, see, that's cool. See, I don't know if mine are consecutive like that. Yeah, no, that's cool. We yeah. see a nice kind of little, little, nice glowing red guitar that's kind of screaming some attention there, too. Tell us about that one. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something real quick about the strings on this guitar. Yeah. And the, or this one and the strings on um, this guitar here. I have not changed these strings since 2015, 2015. Oh, my God. They have been the same strings for everywhere. Yeah, all the shows, everything. Um, I used them on the entire U.S. tour with Tony McAlpine in 2000. <laughs> so I had them in 2014, changed them, put them on for 2015, and they've been on there ever since. And I've not changed them since, wow. you know. Um, I just like the feel of them. I'm not a big fan of the, the, the feel of brand new strings, you know, and all that. But... You know, it's kind of uh, it throws people off. They're like, what the hell? You know, how can you, I, I don't I don't hit hard on the strings. I don't bang away on the fretboard. You know, I don't pound when I'm picking it. So for me, it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I have a light touch, so I don't break them. But nice. I did break one on stage when I did not take one as a backup. So I broke oh, one string. Yeah, that's yeah. always good to have a backup just for that reason alone. Exactly. Well, I never broke strings. So I'm like, well, I won't need it. And we played a show in the first song literally within the first 30 seconds of string broke. Murphy's so Law. Murphy's Law. Yeah, Murphy's Law. So this one, I think this is the one you're referring to, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this one is Satriani's guitar. 
So he loaned this to me about two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I asked him if, you know, if, if basically we were chatting and, and, you know, via text. And I said, you know, uh, do you have any extra guitars that you want to sell? And, and he said, well, I can't really sell you one, but I can loan you one. And I said, oh, I would, I, I absolutely, I would love it. You know, so um, he loaned me one when I was recording the, uh, the album, The Defiant Machine. And what was really cool about that is I was really stuck for a melody. I could not come up with a melody to save my life for this song, Tuesdays for Killing. And there's a really cool story behind that title, too, which I'll tell you. But the, I could not come up with a melody for this song. And so I, I said, hey, Joe, would it be possible if I could borrow one of your guitars? And, and you know, I want to try a whammy bar on it. And, and he has a sustainiac and all that. And he said, sure. He said, I'm leaving for L.A. tomorrow morning. Can you come by tonight? So I, I jetted up to San Francisco and went over to the house. They had like four or five you know, of his guitars. There were all kinds of different colors laying out on the table. And he said, just pick one. And I was like, OK, so I picked an orange one and pretty much looked exactly like this and uh, took it home. And, and immediately I, I came up with the melody for it. And it was just really cool that his guitar and we kind of had the mojo on it that I that I needed, you know. That's beautiful. Um, now, what was different about this guitar as opposed to the other one that he loved me was the other one. The other one had a single um, this. This is the Sustainiac um, on off switch right here. OK. Um, on the original one that he loaned me, there was just this switch here okay. that was on. I mean, off and then on. Now, on this one, it's this is the on off or I'm sorry, off on. And then this is a three position. You got a, a low, mid, and high sustain yeah. Oh wow! So yeah, so it can. I mean, when you put it in the high mode, I mean, you you can just hold that note for infinity, and it just it just screams. I mean, it's it's in, it's incredible. And I, this is an out of phase um, pull, push pull pot, I believe. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's what that is. And you know, that's the sustainiac there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a, and you know, he's got this this whammy bar here, which is carbon fiber. Which is really incredible, actually. It's 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 feather light. Nice. And I think they were like ninety bucks if you want to buy just the whammy bar, just the bar itself. Yeah. But it 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 plays fantastic. This guitar. Um, so it's you know it's really cool to 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 play the guitar that you know that somebody of his stature played, and I can't do it justice, but I can at least put some notes on it, and you know um, make some make some music come out of it, you know. That's awesome. I, I I like the idea with that carbon fiber board because I mean bar because I well, you yeah. see him play a lot of times just with a couple fingers on the bar you know just kind of rocking that bar. Um, That's right. And that would help a lot. But it's got a little bit of extra. It would be light but still give you some torque on it as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean this thing is it's a beast. I mean it really is. Um, and then the other orange guitar here is my Gretsch that I just bought probably a month ago, a month and a half ago that I had no intention of buying. But what happened was I went to go see my friend at Guitar Showcase and. They happen to be carrying Gretches now, and, and I always wanted an orange Gretch, and this just happened to be there, and I was like, shit. So I ended up buying it, What's and I really guitar? love it. It's a, yeah, it's a really, really cool guitar. It looks really cool next to Joe's guitar, too. So. It does. They kind of match a little bit. Plus, I yeah, get some inspiration it, on that guitar when you're least expecting yeah. it, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a big Brian Setzer fan, so I was like, ah, yeah, a Gretsch, you know. Very cool. You know, and it's got the Bigsby on it, you know, and these things, you know, you can't do much with them, but no. they're a little bit of vibrato, yeah. you know. You know, that's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really little thing, but you know, I always hear people call the, the, you know, this, this, the tremolo and it's not a tremolo, it's a vibrato bar, mm -hmm. you know, but everybody always call oh, the tremolo bar. It's like, it's not a tremolo. It's a vibrato. You know, it, you're, you're giving vibrato to the note. You're mm -hmm. not tremolo. You that's know? right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a little collection. thing, but yeah. So, I mean, 
you know, the, the, those those are the main guitars that I that I play that I take with me. Those three purple ones on the road. And this one here is like a backup guitar. Yeah. I was, as I was you sharing know. with you, I, I sold one of my purple PVs USAs, and I miss it to death. It was a Floyd Rose yeah. one, and oh. I, I miss it so bad. And I know the guy who I sold it to. I think I, I, I would even offer him more money to get it back. And I think yeah. one day he may part with it if I could find him help another one. Because he only really bought it to match a, a purple music man that he had. Oh, uh, okay, and so, okay. I mean, it was just more of a cosmetic thing. So I'm going to try to get it back from him one day. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, And you know what I just discovered recently that, that McAlpine turned me on to were these um these uh wireless units by sure okay. which i think are just they're they're built like tanks um you know and and what's really cool about them is when i want to switch from one guitar to the other all i have to do is shut off this one turn on that one it automatically finds the signal oh neat. And there's, yeah there's no downtime whatsoever um this little part right here the little uh, uh transceiver um or transmitter uh it has a tuner built into it and what's really cool about it is if, if there is another um, wireless that's on the same uh, uh, channel, it will search for channels and you'll never lose the signal. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's really, really a, a beast of a, of a wireless. Absolutely and, fantastic. And here's the other cool thing. It's all USB. So the batteries are all rechargeable battery sticks. And all I have to do is plug it in for 15 minutes and I get a three-hour charge time out of it So I, with a USB cable. That's so fantastic. On the road. Yeah, plug it into a computer or whatever, charge it up for 15 minutes. I've got three hours charge time, and a full uh, charge will give me 16 hours. So you, you definitely have lots of longevity out of it. It's just like charging your phone. We get to the hotel, plug in your wireless, yeah. and charge it up. That's that's right. Absolutely, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. A couple other uh, points over in the chat here before we wrap uh, up, and I want to ask you about your mini guitar as well, too. Now, uh, yes. Nocturnal did uh, post a link to, to purchase a little guitar. Um, but a couple questions, Scott. Uh, a couple questions and points. Scott says uh, he did the same thing with the strings. He had one guitar with him and broke a string in the first song. Um, oh, yeah. And let me see here. Pierce Thomas says, Eric, I've been meaning to ask. Do you know a good place that ships old school Metallica Megadeth stickers and art for guitars? I don't honestly. I, I don't know a lot about stickers where you can get them. So I just try to Google, see what you can find. Sorry, I can't be more helpful to you, Pierce. Uh, especially with your first time coming back to the show in so long. I, I wish I could help you more. Um, as Sean Cook says, I remember those electronics. Mine was cherry red going through an H and K. And let me see, um, uh, where else did I miss? Okay. So there we have it. Uh, nocturnal posted link, com slash the store. She's got your store link there. Tell us about this mini guitar and, and how that came about. Well, so, I mean, so I've always like, you know, I just love the look of, of the, the Wolfgang guitar and all that. And, and the, just the style of it and the stickers on it, no regrets, no excuses, and all that stuff. So there's a company I remember seeing John Petrucci had these little 10 inch ones. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that's really cool. So we wanted to kind of well, we did a Kickstarter thing. Uh, God, I think it was a few years back now. And uh, one of our fans, Kathy, she suggested, well, you should get you know these little mini guitars made for the Kickstarter thing. And I'm like, oh, that'd be great. And I contacted the company and they weren't doing any mini, any custom ones for a while. And I was like, damn it. So that didn't work out. So then they contacted me uh, was a few months ago, a month ago, whatever. Say, hey, we're we're doing it again. If you're interested, and I said, yeah. So I ended up uh, ended up ordering uh, just 30 of them uh, right off the bat, and sold pretty much all of them already. Um, so now I got to order another batch of them. And the domain to order them is pbwolfgang.com. Oh, that's so cool. That, yeah. So that's the domain. If anybody wants to buy one, just go to pbwolfgang.com. And they are exact replicas down to even the little who fucking cares sticker on the headstock. Nice. So they should be here in about 
four to five weeks now, we should be getting them. Uh, and they come with a little guitar case and a little guitar stand. Oh, that's know? badass. I love it. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Cool. I, talk, I told the guy, too, you got to make sure that the dirt is on the fretboard. You <laughs> have to make sure that. And he says, okay, we'll do that. So that's we'll hilarious. see how we'll see how, how true to, because they do all of Eddie's, you know. They I know. All, all the, what do you call it? They do Joe's. They do Steve Vai's, uh, George Lynch, uh, uh, Cheap Trick, all these artists, you know. Yeah, that, that's phenomenal. Um, and uh, Jim Dale says, as the last question here, he says, I uh, would love to see Satriani and Eddie uh, do a, a share a stage at a G3. I know Joe's asking me, he says, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, you know, I, that's something I've thought about many times. Like, God, he, Eddie's like the last holdout of, you know, that kind of a thing of G3. You know, they've had Zach Wilde and Petrucci and Kenny Wayne Shepherd and all these guys, you know, where's Eddie Van Halen? I know. You know, I mean... I know. I mean, Zach has gotten up there to jam with him. I believe. I, I'm pretty sure he has. But um, yeah, where's Eddie Van Halen? Let's see the Eddie Van Halen G3. You know, you I can't... think. I think the only way you're going to see that happen, I, Eddie's just not comfortable outside of that Van Halen uh, thing, Van. and it has to be Alex. Alex will have to be with him. And uh, of course. And I think that'd be the only way it would happen. But he just he seems in his happy place when he's with Van Halen. So who knows? I would love to see it too, and I know yeah. Joe would love that. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, Eddie's influence so many people like we said at the start of this you know whether they know it or not he's influenced them you know that's right and uh, there's so many guitar players you know my my problem with a lot of the guitar playing today and it's mostly the instrumental guitar playing is you get these kids who can shred all day long and they can play anything that Eddie Van Halen played at the prime and they're only eight years old you know they can't write a song to save their lives they can't play with other people to save their lives they can't bend a string you know, they, 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 they live in this little bubble of YouTube videos and shredding. And it's like, where's the song? You know, know, where, where's the originality? You can play Yngwie note for note. You can play Joe note for note. But let's hear you write a song now. You know, yep. let's hear you put all that stuff that you learned into a song of your own. You know, and I think that's where the growth comes from. You know, the growth as a musician doesn't come from copying somebody else's notes. It comes from making your own music. You know, I, I remember an interview with, uh, I think it was Muzz Skillings from Living Color. And when he was learning to play, he had learned something that was really difficult. And he went to his brother and he said, oh, look, look what I played. And his brother sat and he watched him. He said, well, that's great. Now, can you write something like that? And he said his bubble was completely burst, but he realized he's completely right. That's right. You know? and, and, you know, as a musician, you should want to create. You know, you should want to create. If you don't create. If all you're doing is copying what other people have already done, then you're no different than a paint-by-number painter, right? Very so well said. It, it's like, so for, I, I don't get what satisfaction there is in that. You know, it, it's, I, me, I never learn any, I try, I rarely ever learn anybody else's. I've never learned an Angus Young solo, note for note. I don't really know any of his riffs. You know, Hell's Bells, that's about it. Sure, of course. But I don't sit, you know, I mean, and, and learn other people. Now, some people enjoy doing that a lot, and, and that's great. I mean, I don't have the patience for it, I think, is what it is. Um, I just, it's, I just rather, if I'm going to spend that time to do it, I want to spend that time and write a song for the band. I you know, agree. write something that we can all play together and that I know it's ours, you know. That's right. No, that's very well said. And I see you got mini guitars back there. Yeah, I've got those the, the those are the official Eddie Van Halen ones. Yeah, yep. Those, awesome. those yeah, I've got the Bumblebee, the the white, black and white one and then obviously Frankie. And nice. uh, we're told there may be some more uh, 
Uh, Adam Reaver works very closely with those as well, with Eddie personally on those. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all oh, pretty cool. cool. And speaking of guitars, before we wrap up, you know, I just want to show this for, for only to yes. show you. Well, actually, the fans have seen these guitars a lot of times here on the show, too. But I showed you the one, which is uh, the same look as your, your uh, amber top one. Obviously, yeah. mine doesn't have the story that yours does. I'll grab that one really quick. Now, this was one that I picked up when I wasn't even looking for a guitar. So this is a USAP. Nice-looking guitar. Yeah. Beautiful top on this yeah. one. Absolutely awesome. mint shape. It's got some beautiful Gorgeous. bird's eye to it, too. And I was going into the yeah. music store to grab a guitar for Junior. I was grabbing a Metallicaster, and this one just happened to be on the wall. I was like almost like a beam of light was going, oh, like right at me, oh. like calling my name. So I picked that up. And I'll show you something else here. I know you like stickers. So this one here is a patent pending. Uh-huh. This is a patent pending PV. And if people are wondering what this is on the top, this little, that's actually oh. my son's blanket. Um, his, okay. his mom here, Nocturnal Butterfly, she's a, you know, she does a lot of crafting and sewing. She made him this blanket and he's outgrown this blanket. Like, you know, how Linus from like uh, peanuts sure. would walk around that blanket. Well, it's falling, literally disintegrating. So I took a piece of it and I just tied it around my guitar as a nice little security blanket for me too. Nice. But this one, I had my band stickers all over it. So, oh, look so, at that. Yeah, and I chromed out the pickup rings. So as you know with Wolfgangs, the Wolfgangs are not floating pickups. Yeah. So these are just dummy pickup rings. The guitar, uh-huh. the pickups are still bolted in, and they're flip-flopped. I actually flipped. People say, what would you do? Oh, wow. And I did it by accident, and I put them in, and I was like, you know what? I'm tired, and I left it. Um, so the neck pickup is reversed. Uh, so I used to have glow-in-the-dark lo- uh, logo or letters from my band, Finding Core. It, it looked okay. really cool, and the drums match, too. And I quit the band for a, for a, about a, two years, whatever, and so mad at the band. I tore off all the, uh, the things. I thought I got tired. And after taking off the FC, which took me three days, I, I didn't have the strength to take off the rest of the stickers. I just left them. And I think they look pretty cool. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, very cool. It was very similar to mine. With yeah. The, you know, coming around the top and the bottom. You and know? there's the patent pending but, right there. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Oops, I just knocked off I the think, blanket. Well, let me see something. Hold yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one says patent pending. Yep. That one says patent pending. No, that's great. And that one does not. So you, those are older than what you think, then. Oh, okay. Well, that's beautiful. So I would, I would check, I would check and find out. Um, but you're probably looking at a '97 on those first two, oh. the purples. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's nice. Even better, 21 years old. Wow. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I do love them. I mean, they're great guitars, and they—they they are. Ha- they are. Yeah, I'm not too happy with the the the, the original company right now, but that's okay. I got I my know. own thing going. So, I I was know? with them same time as you were, probably the same era, and that's how I got yeah. the um, that's how I got the JSX and things like that. Uh-huh. And yeah. J- I actually got a eight by ten that's on the wall. It's from Joe Satriani. It says, "Hey Eric, I'm glad you like my amp." He was using the amp at um, that time, right? Yeah. Very cool. And I miss Very I miss that. But this guitar, it's actually fallen. I remember in the in the studio, I had it against the wall, and it fell from the fl- like fell against the fl- uh, the wall and fell on its face on the cement, and it dented the frets in a few spots. And I I've never touched the frets. It it, it would need and technically the average guitar player would say it needs a fret job. It plays like yeah. a million bucks to me, like I'm two million bucks. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you don't need it. Yeah, just do it. No. If it works for you, that's all you need. That's right. I, I like it. You know. For- and for me too, like I don't mind if my guitars get dinged up. I don't mind if nope. they get you know, scratches on them and nicks in them, and you know all that stuff. I mean, I used to be really like particular about it, but now I'm like, you know what? It just adds character to it. It's a, it's a story that happened. You know. That's right. That's right. And, and it's best if if you're gonna get a ding in a guitar, you might as well do it right away. That guitar, yeah. literally that guitar. Um, I yeah. was playing in a Van Halen tribute, and the very first gig I played. 
um, the singer um, was uh, wearing sunglasses and he was like a Sammy looking guy. Uh, maybe that, maybe that's the reason why it happened. And he swung his mic stand around and the round bass hit my guitar and I actually oh. saw a piece of wood fly off the guitar. Oh, and, and I was like, Jesus. oh. And, and he's like, oh, I think my guitar player is going to kill me. And, you know, we just went along with the act and the show. Yeah. And once you realize there's nothing you can do about it, you can't cry over spilt milk, right? You just get over it. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah now, nowadays, we sit there and we try to relic our guitars like Eddie Van Halen and painstakingly take razor blades and yeah, you know, I know. To do it. I know. It's, it's crazy, man. Just play them. Go play shows. Get them dinged up. And you'll have your own relic. That's right. That's right. Um, Adam Reaver's birthday today as well, too, uh, talking about uh, my wow. brother from another Brass Block Mother. So, Adam, if you're catching this video back later on, he's at NAM right now in Nashville. Happy but, uh, birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. And listen, we, we're we're a little over time here, and, and I, I don't want to be one of these guys that likes to say, um, uh, I'll tell you my secret. I always want people to come back for more. I could talk for three hours. I know you could as oh, well, too. Here. I always want to have people want to come back for more. I had a bunch of questions we didn't even get to tonight, but I'm going to ah. save them for your return. So after you get these shows right. under your belt, Come on back, tell us how they went, and maybe we'll hear some uh, more additional dates that you've picked up along the way. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And if people are interested in coming to the shows, it's guitaruproar.com. That's Perfect. the website. Perfect. I'm all about buying buying domain names that uh, you know that I need. So the defiantmachine.com, that'll take you to our album. PeeWeeWolfGang.com will take you to the uh, to the mini guitar. Lanero.net will take you to our website. Awesome. So, Lots of ways to find you. And as I yeah. shared with you uh, through Facebook today, I won't say what the domain name is, but I'm happy to have one coming back to me. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, July 2nd, yeah. I will have possession of it back that's again, awesome. which was stolen yeah, from no, me. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, you deserve that. You I'm know. anxious to have it back. So that'll be back. That's right. Listen, thank you so very, very much. Um, I, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I want to thank everyone over you in the do. chat for participating and, and you bringing some of your uh, fans over here, which is yeah. great. Uh, Sunday, I'm back over on the other show on Helix Hour. 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. I've got Leo from Frog Leap Studios. He's doing some crazy stuff on his YouTube channel. He actually just released a cover today or yesterday of SpongeBob SquarePants, of all yeah. things. And he's, that Toto uh, Africa video has got something like 22 million views on that one. Jesus. He's just he's killing it. And uh, so we're going to be talking about Helix and uh, the Variax guitar over there on that show. So that should be a lot Very of fun. Cool. Very cool. Everyone, you rock. Bill, thank you so very much. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. All right. And had a My real pleasure. pleasure. Thanks, everyone. You. Awesome. See you next time, guys. See you again on Sunday at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Till then, have a great weekend. Happy Canada Day to all our fellow Canadian friends over here as well, too. Till next happy time. Happy Fourth of July to everybody on Wednesday. That's right. Coming up. Fantastic. For us, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Love it. All right. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Cheers, everybody. Hey, EVH Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.